Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. marketplace is noisy, it's crowded, it's chaotic. And if you're saying the same five adjectives as all of your competitors, then you are just lost drowning in a sea of all this noise, right? If you can identify the touch points where you can really elevate and you can really stand apart and create a customer experience that is unique to your value proposition, that's where you can shine. That's where you can really step out of the crowd and the noise and be noticed for the ways that you're shining. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest today, Bethany Meadows. She's founder of Vertical Solutions Media a full-service marketing agency helping small and mid-sized businesses reach their growth objectives. Bethany also provides marketing training, coaching and support for small and solo businesses through her monthly marketing membership, TimeToThriveMembership.com. In our conversation today, Bethany talked to me about hiring for culture and philosophical fit over skills. We talked about the importance of systems and processes, and we talked about mapping the customer journey and all the touch points. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Bethany Meadows. Hi, I'm your host Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast from McCullough. Alabama in the USA, Bethany Meadows, who's the president of Vertical Solutions Media, a full-service marketing agency located in Birmingham, Alabama. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Bethany. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and you've got a really interesting story. You, your business specializes in brand development, content marketing, growth strategies, and you also host the Time to Thrive podcast. So I'm really interested to dig into all of those things today. Now, before we do that, what's the impact you're making in the world? Whew, that's always a, a hard question to answer, isn't it? Because it kind of feels like, you know, we don't want to boast about ourselves. Um, you know, we had a, a guest on the Time to Thrive membership, a guest expert this month, and she's the author of my hype book. And she talked about confidence and how we need to not boast in our achievements, but bask in them. Hmm. And so I'm trying to do that. Um, you know, one of the things for me was 
that I'm really proud of coming out of the uh, pandemic was creating Time to Thrive and an opportunity for small businesses to get marketing agency support and coaching, um, but at, you know, in something that they could afford. We had a lot of people, a lot of them were calling us and they, they couldn't afford the full service marketing agency mm. relationship. Um, and of course, the other thing I'm super proud of and my impact in the world is that I'm an adoptive mom of four. And um, I had one biological and then I adopted a sibling group of, of four children. So that brought me to five. So, and I raised them as a single mom and uh, homeschooled and started my business all in there as well. So I feel like that's made an impact in the world because then now they're all adults out uh, making a difference themselves. So. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. And you did all that and, and started the business and grew a successful business all at the same time. So you must be a, an expert at, at time management and really, really focusing on the important things to do. Insomnia, mostly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also homeschooled my kids when I started my business. So I was homeschooling five and I was single and uh, I, I launched the business so that I could be home with them and homeschool them. Um, they had some special needs and that was the best place for them to be, but also needed to be able to keep the roof over our head and food on the table. And, and so that's how the agency was born in uh, 2008. Hmm. That's um, fantastic. I'm, I am curious, what, what prompted you after having your own child to adopt more and, and four in one hit? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. So, um, I don't, you know, it seemed like life got away from me. I was like pursuing a lot of the long thing, wrong things, right? I was pursuing this career. I was working for a corporate uh, insurance company and on the fast track and my license plate said V to P, VP to B. And, uh, you know, it was all about that. And so the, you know, having an only child, you know, I felt like fit in my world. I thought anybody who had more than, more than one, oh, two, I could see, but three, definitely you're insane. And, um, it, it was just that time in my life and what I was focused on. And I got to a place where I realized that it just wasn't all about the job. It wasn't all about the mm -hmm. career and what I was pursuing. And uh, so there, this thing in my heart just started to happen where I felt drawn to adoption because my biological daughter was 11 by that point and it felt um, like too late. <laughs> mm. And um, so I started pursuing the adoption of one and through a whole lot of life circumstances, uh, I I came to know about this group of children uh, that were in foster care. And a friend of mine was a police officer, resource officer in their school. And so he had followed their journey in foster care for several years. And he said, if you're interested in adoption, I sure would love for you to adopt these kids because they're great kids and, and so on. So we kind of went down that road, but Initially, I was only going to get one of them, and then they asked, could you take two? Because the other two are going to be taken by a family member. I was, yeah, okay, I could see taking two. <laughs> that still felt like a lot. Um, and then, you know, as we went forward in the journey, 
we learned some things about the family member that was supposed to take the other two and they, you know, social workers asked me, is there any way you could find it in your heart to take all four? <laughs> and by that time I knew them all and, yeah. you know, it, that was, that was the end for me. So I went from one to five overnight. I spent six months crying in the, in my walk-in closet going, what have I done? I'm not equipped for this. Um, and, you know, I, I just, you know, my faith got me through. Um, and I just, I kind of walked that in one day at a time and we figured it out. And I pulled in all of my business experience um, to running this crazy household. And so I would identify pain points or areas of friction and I would go, okay, we need a process for this or we need a system for that. Um, so we, we just became over time very efficient. The kids kind of settled into that, you know, consistent routine that they'd never had before. They were eight, nine, 10 and 11 when I got them. Um, so this was a whole new experience for them. They had been in eight different foster homes in two years. So no security, mm -hmm. no stability. Um, so the more I put these systems and processes in place, the better they were doing. So within, Within a few years, I found my sanity again, and it turned out that that was one of my big calls in life was to raise these amazing kids, and we're still very tight, very close, even though they're adults and have families of their own and all of that. Every Sunday is go to mom's for, for dinner day, and we spend the day together, and um, now I have four grandbabies as well. So <laughs> it's been a great journey. Yeah, that's wonderful. So you talked uh, a bit about implementing processes at home to kind of yes. keep things keep things a bit better organized and less chaotic. Um tell us about how you've how you've grown your business. I mean, this was all happening at the same time. Um how you've yes. grown your business in and and how you how processes are a big part of that. Yeah, so um because I was launching a business and doing all the other things that I was doing in a particular day, and I, and I had, these kids came to me and nobody could read. They were 8, 9, 10, and 11, and just because they had been yanked in and out of schools um, and really didn't have that stability, I, there was a lot of catching up that they needed to do. That was part of why I, I chose to homeschool them and keep them at home. There was some behavior things too, you know, things that come out of being in that situation. Um, so I really had to have a very structured day so that I could spend one-on-one -on -one time with each of them throughout the day and really work on some of these foundational things that they didn't have. Um, but at the same time, have a business that was producing uh, significant enough revenue to feed all five mouths, right? <laughs> these kids could eat. We went through eight gallons of milk. You know, they say when kids come out of a situation like that, they're, they're considered like they're not thriving and that affects them physically as well. But then they get into a, a loving situation and some stability. They grow like weeds. Like all of a sudden they're making up for lost time. Yeah, and of course so they were going the teenage years when when yes. kids grow quickly anyway. Yes. So I did have a very regimented schedule at that time. So, you know, we got up at a certain time and there was chores and there was breakfast and it was 
I did this block kind of scheduling. And so they knew exactly what they were supposed to be doing pretty much every hour of the school day um, during the day. Often I ended up uh, working, you know, once we were done with school, I was working until very late. Um, and, I, you know, when I was single, I can remember just saying to myself, this is a season and time. And I just got to hang on and, and push through this season because it was mm. it was hard. Um, it's hard not to have, a, you know, someone to back you up. It's hard not to um, have a moment to yourself. So because they were around me 24 seven and I was making breakfast and lunch and dinner. They didn't go to school. So they were around me all the time. Um, so we had to have really good systems in place and we had to have those systems for behavior as well because um, I, I needed them to do what they were supposed to do in order for all of us to be successful. And so I had to empower them with the fact that every one of you is responsible for the success of the family. Um, and just, you know, kind of putting that in place for them because before that, it was every man for himself. It was, you know, get what you can get because you don't know when you'll get any more, you know, kind of attitude. And we just had to shift mindsets around. Um, working with clients, I, initially, I was just taking whatever marketing job I could get, writing a website or, um, you know, putting together a brochure for a company or, you know, when social media started to be a thing, we were, you know, I've managed some social media, whatever I needed to do to be able to invoice someone and, and, you know, pay the mortgage payment at the end of the month. As time went on, a lot of the same customers were coming back to me and asking for more and more. And so I found myself working really regularly with a certain group of of clients and I thought there's got to be a better way than me chasing my mortgage payment, you know, every month. And so at that point I approached those regular customers with a retainer model mm. and asked if they would be open to that and they were. And so th that gave me some stability because I knew every month that I was invoicing those retainers. Um, and then, you know, and back then we're going back to 2008, which is almost 14 years ago now. Um, you know, it might have been 500 a month or 800 a month for that company because, you know, they were small companies that I was working with. And then as as we went on and became more successful and I added started adding staff um, and we were just building because you remember in 2008, that was the real estate crash, yeah, right. mm. all the crazy. But what that happened for me since I started in 2008 is that a lot of companies that were using the, the, you know, the bigger marketing agencies and paying all this money every month suddenly withdrew from those bigger uh, priced agencies and mm. were looking for lower priced options. So we actually grew like, like crazy and I had to add staff and, you know, we found our way through that and created a reputation. And, and so over time, our clients have become larger and larger. And so I kind of alluded to that before about starting time to thrive. And it's kind of like going back to my, my first love, mm -hmm. you know, which is the small business owner. Um, the agency now is at a level that, you know, my team for the most part 
manages and executes 99% of it. Um, so that gives me the time to focus on some of these more passion projects. To, and I'm glad, I'm very grateful to be in a position to do that now. Hmm. And how, how big's the team now? So we're at, well, we're at four right now, and we've hmm. actually scaled back um, as, you know, Time to Thrive and some other things have kind of grown. Hmm. We've scaled back some of the retainer. Um, selling time is hard. Yeah. Um, and being full service is hard um, because you, you're doing all the things. So you're spreading yourself into lots of different areas of expertise. And that can be hard to, to manage. So we've kind of scaled that back and, and focused more on the branding, the content marketing aspects of things. We still do a lot of some of the other things for different clients, but that's become more of our focus so that we can... Um, just manage it in a more scalable and a more um, efficient way. Mm, that's great. And as you grew, how did you approach the whole process of hiring and making sure that the people you brought onto your team were a really good fit for the culture you were trying to build and, and delivering that exceptional outcome for your clients that with whom you already had established that great relationship over the years. Right. I, I'd like to say I was like a, just a super genius at <laughs> uh, human resources along the way. But honestly, at, at, you know, at the beginning, um, I got lucky. Mm. <laughs> um, and then sometimes I wasn't lucky. Yeah. Um, and then you learn, right? So you learn from mistakes. You learn from the things that don't go right. Um, so what I've learned over time is that when you're desperate is the worst possible time to try and hire somebody hmm. uh, because you'll take whoever's coming through the door just right. because you need them so, so badly. Um, and it's never worth it. What you hmm. think is going to be a rescue ends up to be even, even a worse situation. Yeah. You're doing the rescue rather than right. rescuing you. <laughs> right. And you've invested all this uh, time and effort into training that person. And that was just for nothing because mm. then they don't work out. I think for me, uh, I think the fit is more about the culture and mm. less about the capability because I feel like I can, and I almost prefer to teach people, train people to do it the way that I know I want it done. Um, we have a philosophy as a company, and I want to make sure that the people that are going to work for the company share that philosophy and can align themselves with those values. What I always say to my team is we spend client money like it's our money. That means that we just don't, uh, you know, send it out to print with uh, Joe Smith uh, printing company because Joe Smith took you to lunch. Mm. We quote it out, right? We make mm. sure that we're getting the best uh, for our clients. It um, also means that as an agency, we never took commissions and neither did we mark up anything. So what our clients were paying us is what they were paying us. And we weren't sneaking in any extra revenue because I didn't ever want that conflict of interest. I didn't want to ever, you know, be in a situation where they might question whether my, I'm, I'm recommending radio because it's best for them or because 
um, I'm getting a kickback from radio mm -hmm. and maybe I'm not going to get it from print. Um, so we passed through and we always have from day one, all of the uh, commissions, you know, that media hmm. pays to us, we pass that through as savings to our clients. Um, and that just went to about integrity and, and operating with excellence and never putting us ourselves in a position where we ever had to say to ourselves even, is that okay? Is like, are we choosing what's best? You know? Hmm. Um, so that was just a philosophy. And of course, I want people working for me who are making some of these decisions. They have to be somebody who aligns with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really important point is um, bringing people on board that are aligned with your values and your philosophy and a really good cultural fit. And one of the things you mentioned earlier is about having systems and processes in place. And I imagine that you had them all well documented. And that gives you the material to train somebody who who doesn't necessarily know how to do whatever it is that you're asking them to do. You say, hey, well, here's right. the systems and processes. Here's some additional material to help you learn how to do it. Um, I'll work with you for a little while until you're comfortable doing it yourself. And there you go. And that, that process, I find, works really well with most people that have basic level of intelligence. But um, changing somebody's mindset philosophy or or uh, values to try and make them fit into your organization's culture and values that's much oh really hard really yeah. difficult yeah and when you hire the right people like for me the uh, the right people are also can do people they're take initiative mm. people they're that i empower them with a dollar amount to keep a customer happy if something goes sideways because there's always something to go sideways, right? There's a deadline, there's a whatever. And let, if we have to pay twice as much to get it delivered to them and we eat, uh, you know, the additional and that customer's happy because of it, you do it. Hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm empowering them to do that. You know, I give them a dollar amount, say, you know, you can make this without even calling me up to this amount. Um, I think it's important that your team feels like they do have the power and the authority to do the job that you've hired them to do. You know, I think as small business owners, we can be super controlling. Um, delegating, learning to delegate, that was really hard for me um, because I was so focused on excellence and quality and I was always fearful that nobody was going to do it as well as I could do it. And the truth is, that might be true. But I can't do everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I train them as best I can and then I let them fly. And, you know, you inspect what you expect um, as part of that process, um, just ensuring that, you know, quality control. And we have a, a policy within the agency that nothing goes to a client until two people have seen it internally. Hmm. That may not be me. And that's okay. If two hmm. eyes got on it and they feel empowered to sign off on it, uh, they're standing behind that. And if you've hired the right people, that needs to be okay. We kind of, hmm. as a business owner, we got to get rid of that controlling thing that we all have. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and you're living proof that you know it's it's virtually impossible if you if you're doing lots of different things 
as the business owner, then you become the bottleneck and it's virtually impossible to control everything. But at the same time, to have what you described, you know, is that that level of excellence that you're expecting, that your clients are expecting, that that you want to be presenting to your clients consistently without kind of falling over at any point, then, you know, having that culture in place, I think is is a, a really good way to do that. And some people, you mentioned the idea of, and, and I suffer from this quite a lot as well, nobody can do this as well as I can. And yet, if you document it clearly, these are the steps I take. This is the outcome I expect. This is the level of quality I expect. And then take time to train people to do it to that and then empower them, as you said. Often I've, I've found that people will come back and say, hey, there's a better way to do this or what if we change this thing and actually the outcome might be a little bit better still. So that having some other eyes on that and giving them saying well this is the expectation here's how i do it that usually that's the way i present it i say here's the outcome i want this is what needs to happen what what it needs to be and i make really clear as you know there's the quality level that's expected and here's how i do it yeah and it's i always say it in that way here's how i do it now and i usually do a video and i say i tell people then um why don't you write this up and document it and then let's work through it together and after that you figure out what's the best way for you to do it right creating an environment where um it's okay to make a mistake Hmm. it's um the mistakes are part of learning um it's okay to uh or encouraged for you to come up with your own ideas it's not all about me You know, we get around a table and Mm. I say an idea and it's a dumb idea. I want someone to tell me, Mm. (laughs) you know, Um, so I want to have a team that feels like we're peers in that sense of it. It's not me leading and everybody else following is that we're truly peers at the table, that everybody has a voice and every every voice matters on the other side of that coin. One of our challenges were, you know, I would, I was the front facing person for clients on, for onboarding mm-hmm. clients, right? And so they have bought into the agency based on my involvement. Yeah. And so part of what we had to get to is learning how to set their expectations right up front to say, look, I'm your partner for strategy. I'm your partner for if you just want to brainstorm new ideas or if we're working through the plan, I'm your girl. But for your everyday, day-to-day execution and uh, customer service, you're going to be working with so-and-so. And And this is your contact because I'm hard to reach. And I don't want you to feel like I'm not getting back to you in a timely way. So you have this person right here that you can always get to. Um, So it was just setting those expectations really went a long way um, to help um, transition people away from looking at me as their source of everything Mm. and getting them to work with a team member and feel just as satisfied with their experience. Um, Mm. So that was another thing that I had to learn the hard way (laughs) was learning how to set those expectations up front. 
Yeah, I think that's a really important lesson right there uh, in that setting those expectations for the client. And contrary to what you know, the, 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 the traditional fear is, and I know I've been through this journey as well, the traditional fear of, oh, they're going to be disappointed. They, they've seen me. They've got the relationship with me. They want to um, deal with me. What I find, and, and you have to set this expectation clearly, and you've done it really well there in this light of, I'm not always going to be available. I may not get back to you immediately if you've got an issue that, that is not life-threatening or business-threatening, but it's right. something that you need dealt with really quickly. Whereas if you go to this team member, they can they can stop what they're doing and they can deal with that immediately to your satisfaction and then it'll be done. Right. I don't you even can't need become to... the funnel in yeah. your business. You can't exactly. become the thing that's stopping things from happening hmm. um, just because A, we want to control it, or B, because we haven't set the expectations with the, the client hmm. um, to go somewhere else to get their answers. Um, so the, the, those two things alone made a huge difference as, as you know, we were growing and coming up as a company. Hmm. That's, that's fantastic. And that um, kind of is a natural transition now to ask about your Time to Thrive program because you mentioned earlier that a lot of people want some assistance with their branding with their content production and with um with social media what the other the other services that you provide but they don't have the budget to pay for you to do it for them right tell us yeah tell us how time to thrive came about and how that fits into this big picture of um, so when you, and, you think uh, about it right we start a business because we're a really good widget maker or whatever <laughs> right we'll just call them widget makers right and we are the expert widget maker we dream about widget making <laughs> uh, it's our passion to tell everybody about widget making right but there are certain skills that as a business owner we don't realize till we start a business doing widget making these other skills we have no clue about. Hmm. For me, it's accounting. That's the opposite side of my brain. Like doing any kind of bookkeeping or whatever, it hurts. It literally gives me a headache. Um, but I had to learn how to do it. I mean, just as a if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to be a business owner, you've got to do some things you're not going to like doing. Um, until you, you know, maybe you get so large that you can hire someone to take that from you. On the marketing side, that is true for a lot of business owners. They have no idea where to start. They don't, they thought, well, if I just make it, they will come. Or if I just put it out there, people will flock to it. And that's not how it works. And they're, now they're sitting there with this business they've started and they're like, what do I do now? Well, then they start listening to salespeople. Salespeople come knocking. As soon as you start a business, they see, you know, they look in business licenses, ooh, a new business. And, Next thing you know, they're calling you. Oh, let me sit down and show you how you can uh, grow your business, right? Hmm. So they come in and they start selling them this and selling them that. Radio, print, whatever. Digital. Well, uh, you know, websites, all the things. Well, the thing is, how do you know that is what you need? Yeah. Right? 
And is there a strategy behind all this money you're spending? Like, do you even know who your target audience is? Do you know what a buyer persona is? Do you know uh, how to, to create uh, a narrative that's going to attract the people most likely to purchase from you? Most people don't know that. Hmm. So what they do is they just throw money. It's like the shotgun approach, right? You just throw money into the universe and you hope that some of it will stick to somebody who will come and buy from you. And then you look at your return on investment and you're like, there's got to be a better way to do this. Hmm. And the better way to do that is to learn how to understand who your customers are, understand marketing skills and techniques that can allow you to make some of these decisions that are best for you rather than what are being sold to you. So as we were going through the pandemic, we business owners would call the agency and they would be like, we need help. We're no longer relevant. We have to pivot. We're in a panic. They just forced us to close, you know, all of the things. And I would, you know, let them know what our minimum retainer was. And they were like, wow, we can't afford that. Hmm. And so I was turning them away. And I was like, I've got to do something where I can make it work like a, some sort of business model that works but also allows me to help the small business owner get to where they need to go and have access to information, coaching, and support that is going. So if they have a question, they can ask me. They have access to me through a, a group forum. So they're able to ask all of their questions. We And I do open door coaching so they can get on there and ask all their questions as well. Um, but because we do it as a group, um, I can make it work as an agency, but then they're only paying $99 a month for all this training and all this support. Um, so it helps them get to where they want to go as well. Um, so we, you know, we, we have a live event every single week. Uh, could be a guest expert. Uh, yesterday I taught a two hour workshop on um, the art of brand storytelling and how to tell your story. Mm -hmm. in an effective way um we have a um marketing library that has um dozens of uh marketing training videos on different topics that you can go in and watch anytime we do we provide it in a private podcast so you can listen to it if you're not someone who wants to sit in front of the com computer and look at a video you can listen in in your car in a private podcast and then we have the group that um, everybody is part of that we can collaborate and you can post questions and things like that. So it's a way that we provide that support and kind of get them through. We also have one-on-one -on -one coaching options packages. So we, if you're, if you want to go faster, if you want a little bit more personalized, we can do that. That's 350 a month. Still very affordable for a lot of people. And you can make that mistake. You can make a mistake by, by investing in the wrong marketing strategy and spend thousands of dollars before you know it. Um, so it's a really small investment. I'm just really passionate about working with, with small business owners. And when they, you know, if I get off a coaching call and somebody's had like this breakthrough, right? They're just like, yeah. I'd never thought to do that. That is, you know, and they're just excited. I mean, I'm like doing a doing a happy dance over here. <laughs> yeah. Like that just that gives me joy. Mm. So that's really lighting my my passion right now. And 
working in the Time to Thrive membership. Hmm. And um, yeah, I, I understand how you feel about that, the, doing the happy dance. I, I often um, have sessions where I speak to somebody and sometimes they're not even coaching calls, they're just a conversation and I'll just say something and and they'll be, oh. And their eyes light up. Thought of that, their eyes yeah. light up. Oh, I'm going to try that. And I thought, oh. And it's kind of, so I, um, how did you, get from that point because as i say sometimes they're things that i take totally for granted and it might even be just a throwaway comment in a conversation how do you um, identify those things to put into to package together into that time time to thrive membership and into the coaching calls to maximize the value of it so that you can get those experiences a lot so i'm a planner I'm all about the plan. Um, I have not yet had a business owner come to Vertical Solutions Media that already had a business plan, which blows my mind. Mm. Um, Because how do you know where you're going if you Mm. don't have a plan to get there, right? Um, It's very hard to set a goal if you don't have the action steps in place to get to your goal. That's just a wish, right? So... So the, you know, one of the first things that uh, we do, we focus on, uh, we have coaching weeks inside Time to Thrive membership every month and it alternates. So one month it's uh, brand coaching week and we go through that whole process of creating all the brand elements. Most people say, well, I have a brand, I have a logo. (laughs) And a logo is just such a small part of a brand. And I really deep dive with it and I get to, because uh, brand is your customer experience. So I get into what I call touch points. There's human system and product touch points, right? So these are all the areas in our business. If you want to think of them as spots in the, in the funnel, right? There's that hmm. moment they're attracted to you all the way through till they become a customer and a brand ambassador beyond that. And you can like put a dot in all these places in that funnel uh, where you're actually having some sort of interaction with or making an impression on that audience member, potential customer, right? And so we actually teach about uh, mapping all of those touch points mm. so that we can identify areas that we can next level so that we can stand apart because the marketplace is noisy, it's crowded, it's chaotic. And if you're saying the same five adjectives as all of your competitors, then you are just lost drowning in a sea of all this noise, right? If you can identify the touch points where you can really elevate and you can really stand apart and create a customer experience that is unique to your value proposition, that's where you can shine. That's where you can really step out of the crowd and the noise and be noticed for the ways that you're shining. Um, so, and that's a process and that's, so we go through that process. Um, so I'm very practical, I'm very tactical. That's why everything I teach comes with a workbook. I mean, I go through that, the extra work of actually creating a workbook so that you can actually write down the answers to some of these questions and figuring it out for yourself. And so that's, you know, we would charge thousands and thousands of dollars to do that for a company. 
but I'm teaching them and showing them and giving them the tools to be able to do it for themselves. The other coaching week we do is what I call business success planning. And it's basically we're building the framework of your business plan. And I take them through it and uh, there's a kind of a mini mini video course that they take and some downloads. And then we go live three sessions um, in a particular week and we dig in and we and we go a piece at a time. Because I think the reason why most business owners don't do a business plan is they find it very overwhelming. Yeah. Like, I don't even know where to start. What's supposed to be in it? Ah, who needs it anyway? I know in my head. Um, but a business plan becomes the safety rails uh, when you get, so you don't get distracted by all the shiny objects, hmm. right? We go through life, that salesman comes in and he's like convincing us that this is the best place to spend money or, you know, st something's happening in our industry or something happens with customers or, you know, things are evolving and changing or whatever. And then we're just being jerked around in every different direction. A business plan gives us those safety rails to keep us in our lane, keep us focused on the goal. Now, I do feel like the business success planning is over uh, a 12-month period, but I also believe in reviewing that every 90 days. Um, I think we should be looking at, in terms of our short-term goals, we should revisit those and do them in 90-day sprints um, because things do change. So our our 12-month plan needs to be a, a working plan, a living plan, a living, breathing document um, that we evolve as we learn things, but we're not making different decisions on the fly or because our emotions of the day are dictating, right? We're being very intentional. Um, it Honestly, it's much less stressful to know that you have a plan, that you have the action steps in place that you're focused on, your team knows what it is, that's much less stressful than running your day to day with no idea. Yeah, and I love, I Trying love to that. Pay your bills without knowing how much money you have, right? Yeah. You, you have to have a plan. I love that you break that down into small chunks so that um, it's sort of like building a a Lego house, right? You kind of put together a couple of bricks and and then put together a few other bricks, and that's pretty easy to do, and over time you've got the whole house and then you um, which is your business plan and then the important thing there that you mentioned to me i remember doing lots of really intense business planning um, work in my corporate career and then that would be a once a year effort and then the plan would go into the bottom drawer and Right. Have a look at it in a year's time and oh, let's let's do another one of these. Yeah, because <laughs> so you really, had to do it. Yeah. Right. Really important that it's actually a living, breathing one and that you revisit it from time to time because it's not set in stone, is it? It's, as you right. say, things change too. Well, and that's why we do those coaching weeks. We alternate every other month. So uh, January, our coaching week is um, brand coaching week. February will be business success planning, March will be brand coaching week. So we alternate mm. back and forth because this is a process you don't do once. Yeah. And so it's it's giving them, they can come back to the table, we're live, and I can coach them through whatever place that they are in, a, mm. in that moment. 
Love it. And I also love your approach to the customer journeys and, and the different touch points, mapping out that actual journey and mapping out the touch points, because I think that's where um, there's so much gold in doing something like that and identifying little touch points that might just be a phone call or it might just be sending a video um, where you can stand out by doing something very simple. You know, I talked before about um, taking some stuff for granted and, and sometimes these are the things that we take for granted, yet if we map out that journey and and really understand, hey, there's a touch point that's going to excite people and it's so easy to do, so it's going to make a huge difference. Right, and you hit it with that word, so- uh, you know, surprise, delight, excite. Yeah. Um, the thing is about those little things, they have a huge impact because everybody expects the big things because mm. the big things is what everybody does. They don't expect the little things. They don't expect the handwritten note. They mm. don't expect uh, that somebody actually answered the phone. They don't expect that the email was replied to in five minutes or less. You know, they don't expect some of these smaller things, but the thing that it really impacts on on them, they think, wow, if they're this on it about these little things, hmm. how much more excellent must the big things be, hmm. right? That's the impression that it leaves with them. So that's why it elevates a brand to really, to really look at these touch points and really elevate them and do them in different ways. And you just, I mean, it's so much fun to sit down with your team and map this out and go and just focus on one touch point at a time and say, okay, what can we do with this touch point right here that will blow our customers' minds? Um, that becomes a company that really, um, puts themselves out, out front of the competition. Because it takes that extra intentionality that not everybody's willing to take, right? Well, yeah, wonderful. Well, this is fascinating, um, Bethany. I could uh, go on talking customer journeys and customer experience <laughs> for ages. Uh, They're one of my just, favorite topics. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good point now, though, to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. It's the same five questions I ask of every guest. and. The idea is that you'll share some tips from your experience and inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Shoot. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? They need to schedule time to brainstorm. Hmm. And learn how to do it by yourself. Oh, tell me more about that. Okay. So I find it really I... difficult to brainstorm by myself. Yes, most people do. So I teach a method called the post-it method. I, if you look at my desk, I know, I know we're just audio on the podcast, but yeah. like my desk is covered in post-it notepads. All different um, colors too, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah color-coded. Um, and I teach that method inside Time to Thrive. There's a video in the library about that, but it's, it's a way to most of the time we're stuck with our, um, surface ideas right mm. and so that when the post-it method the first thing that you do is brain dump everything you can think of in two minutes or less onto a post-it note every idea or solution or whatever it is you're brainstorming once you've once you've dumped everything out of your brain then you then what i teach is certain resources online you can go to that will help prompt you to go deeper with mm. that so, uh, you know, the first thing you can do is go to Google 
and Google how to or ways to, hmm. whatever you're, you're brainstorming, right? And nowadays, if you do that, you will get 20 pages of blog articles and all kinds of stuff. So you can start perusing through there, go, wow, I never thought of that, never thought of that, never thought of that. So you can write all those ideas down. Hmm. Um, another good source is Amazon Books. And just search your keywords in the book section. And then most of those books will let you see the um, table of contents. Mm. So you go to the table of contents. And a lot of times, like when it's one of those how-to, ways-to type books, it's going to give you the framework of all the ideas that they're going to cover in that book. Yeah. So you write down all those ideas. You can go to Udemy, which is the um, platform that has all of the courses. Hmm. And you can do ways to house to there and look at the uh, scope and sequence for that particular co uh, course. So that will give you some more ideas. Um, and so by the time you're done, you've got this huge board or window or wall or wherever putting all these post-it notes of all these ideas and at this point you are not criti critically thinking at all you're just mm. let it, putting it out there getting more ideas well now that you have all this you can put them into categories you can put them into chronological order you can start organizing them in a way of whatever it is that makes the most sense um i've done this for example with one of our uh, clients with vsm via zoom her and i did a session together where we just post it note method because she wanted to create a course for her customers. Hmm. And so that's what we did is we we did all the things, wrote all the post-it notes. They were everywhere. Um, I plunked them into a Trello board for her. And she she basically meant she knew which uh, course, you know, information that she needed to put into this course. Um, so it, regardless of what your project is, it's a great way to do it. And you're able to do it by yourself, which is key. Mm, that's fabulous. Um, really fascinating way to do it. And I, I've come across a couple of sites that I'd, I'd probably add to the tool list there. And um, they're answerthepublic.com and also yeah. ask.com. I, I use those often yeah. for preparing other content. Um, so that they probably work really well in this process as well yes that's perfect all right now what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas Ooh, well okay so one of my all-time favorite things to do is to get around the conference room with my team and we i have a roll a giant roll of um newsprint paper hmm. you know what i'm talking about it's yeah, yeah. like craft you can buy it on amazon and we roll it down the middle of the table and we all have colored Sharpies. And we basically, that's how we map, uh, create systems, create processes, because we can draw it all out. Hmm. We're all very visual because we're in the creative realm. And so it really helps us understand, like a couple of years ago, we, we built a SaaS platform. And we literally, I have the roll of paper back there that I could show you where every page of that <laughs> platform was mapped out with little doodles and circles and arrows showing where that we wanted the customer to go and how we were going to get them there. Um, I think, you know, if, if you're going through a process to come up with a new idea or a new product, 
um, it's always good to make sure that it's going to be successful before you invest too much in it. Make sure you understand what you're getting yourself into. And part of that is just mapping it out. You know, if you, if you have a new product, you can map it out in terms of, well, who's my customer going to be? How am I going to have it manufactured? Or how am I going to distribute it? Or how, how am I going to market it? And again, just the planning. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy as a business owner because we believe our own hype, right? And we're not always realistic yeah. about the situation because we don't want to be. We want it to be successful. Therefore, we're going to will it into existence. But that doesn't work. And so it's important that we um, allow ourselves the process of being real. And really not being so in love with an idea. It's like with houses, right? If you're shopping for a new house, hmm. they always tell you, don't get emotional. Don't yeah. fall in love until it's yours, right? Yeah. It's the same thing with a new product idea or a new business idea. Don't be so in love with it that you go down the yellow brick road and crash into a wall. Hmm. Um, <laughs> because it's, it's a waste of time and energy, but it's also hurtful to you because a lot of people then don't want to come up with a new idea again. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like, oh, I, I came up with an idea and I, it was a disaster, work, so I don't yeah. want to do that again. It's a confidence thing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I love the whole process of mapping and certainly you know, there's lots of great advice there in terms of understanding is there a need for the idea that you have um, as a product or a service and who are the customers for it and what's the journey to get there? All right. Well, it sounds like um, you've got a few favorite resources you've just mentioned there. Would you like to mention yes. another favorite resource? Sure. You know, um, I love Trello. That's great for brainstorming. Yeah. Um, we use teamwork uh, for project management and, and time tracking, uh, which we love. And we've used a lot over the years, like uh, Basecamp we've used, um, and we moved from Basecamp to teamwork partly because Basecamp didn't have all the functionality that we needed as an agency. Basecamp's super user-friendly, though, so I, if you don't need time tracking and some of those things, it's great. Um, we use Dropbox a lot because we work with a lot of files. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many great platforms out there now. I mean, everything's gone to SaaS platform, software as a service. You know, back in the day, I know you remember, um, we used to like go to the store and buy the CD and then upload the CD and, you know, now you would just floppy download disk. it. I, our... I used to have floppy disks when I started it. <laughs> Bear with me. <laughs> so, um, but I think the, the big thing is, is look, look at reviews, look at what other people are saying about the, the tool that you've mm. discovered online. Make sure it's tried and true. Make sure it's going to do all the things you want it to do. I probably did, like our social media management is a Loomly, but I was with Hootsuite for 12, 13 years. Um, and we only moved because um, we were grandfathered in. <laughs> and they suddenly decided that we they weren't going to give us that rate anymore. All right. Uh, That's a bit mean. <laughs> yeah. So I had to go shop a little bit because it, it got rude because we do so much on, on 
social. Mm. Um, and Loonly was super user friendly and highly recommend it if you need a social media platform to, you know, manage your uh, accounts. Um, I think the big thing is just make sure it's going to do what you want to do and I, mm. use the free trials to do that. You know, yeah. dig in for 17 or 14 days and say, well, is this going to work? When we were testing out for um, the project management software, I would get the trial or even I'll, I don't even mind paying for a month or two just to mm. try it out. But then I would we don't move until we're sure it's what we want, Yeah, you know, and go through that process because I don't want to move again. Uh, but then I'll invite my team in and I'll be like, I need you to use this and, you know, try it out, navigate around, see if it does what we want it to do and give mm. me your, I want your feedback. I want your review. Hmm. Um, that's, that's a really good process and really great advice to, and uh, often, I mean, I've switched services in various different things and I usually go through those sort of processes. Sometimes my team are a bit frustrated because I switch a few times um, because I do exactly what you're suggesting. You know, if they don't have a, a free trial, it's long enough to really get a sense of whether it, it's going to suit our needs or not, then I say, okay, well, I can subscribe for a month or two months and then decide at the end of that, do we go longer? I often get turned away by services that make it really hard to, first of all, find out their pricing. Um, yeah, secondly, I don't even, secondly, if your pricing isn't yeah. shown, I probably can't afford it as yeah. my <laughs> yeah, auto. That's right, yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, that always frustrates me. And the other thing is, if they, if they, if their monthly plan is so expensive relative to their annual plan, so they really want you to sign up for the whole year and lock you in for that whole right. time. And I thought, well, that's not really a good model either. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy to pay. Um, well, a lot of them give you twelve months for the price of ten if you pay the annual subscription and I'm happy with that model. Um, yeah. So I'm happy to pay. I know what you mean. Like if it's 50% off to pay annually. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, even in my uh, agency, I've never required anything but a month to month contract because I feel like um, the relationship only works if we're both happy. Hmm. You know, it's yep. for That's me, right. being a marketing agency with a client, it's a marriage. Hmm. Right, we're a business marriage of sorts. Yeah. So it, you know, that's right. And coming coming back years. to coming back to your earlier um, example, where they suddenly decided you couldn't have the grandfathered um, deal anymore. You right. know, all of a sudden, well, you, you probably hadn't considered um, looking at alternatives before that. All of a sudden, you're out looking for alternatives. So they right. basically told you we don't want your custom anymore. Yeah, bottom line though, if you're if your team is not going to use it hmm. or hesitate to use it or struggle in using it, yeah. it's a bad idea. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anything yeah. you do needs to be user friendly enough for your least techie uh, team member. Hmm. Great advice. All right, now the best way to keep a, a client on track. Okay, so we all like to think that clients are, you know, because at the beginning, you know, I mentioned the business marriage, right? 
Hmm. So at the beginning of the relationship, everything's, you're in your honeymoon phase and everything's wonderful and everybody's getting along and it's all great. But when we come down to it, sometimes you'll get a client who uh, isn't playing by the rules is or is taking advantage or is uh, pushing for more time than what they're paying for, things like that. And then you have to get down to really setting some good expectations about, you know, putting some boundaries around that relationship. One of the things that we found is it helps, like in our business, this is not going to apply to everyone, but I can only speak to our business. We sell time. And so every, if you looked at, at what we're going to do on a particular month, we assign it a point system. Hmm. So it might be uh, one point, two points, or three points. Um, and so if it's a one point, it's something that we can do. Usually we're in my mind. It's something we can do in an hour or less. Uh, a two point is something that um, doesn't involve me and can be done in two to three hours. And a three pointer is something that's a little bit more um, strategic or, you know, maybe it's a bigger project or something. Um, or an event or, you know, something like that. Mm. So then I can say to a client, you get this many points a month for your retainer. And I can start going, okay, this, and at the beginning of the month, we're going to say, okay, this month, this is what we're going to accomplish. And if we have ongoing things we do every month, they're automatically built in there, right? Mm. So, so when they say, hey, uh, I want to, I want to do this. Then I can say, well, you're at your point max. So which, which of these things do you want to replace? Hmm. Or we can increase your retainer so you have more points. So hmm. that's, that's just a really nice way of saying, please don't take advantage of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's really, that's really neat. I haven't come across, um, somebody doing that before. We need to know our worth, hmm. right? Um, I, and I've been guilty of this. Like I'm, 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 what do you, bleeding heart is probably the best way to say it, right? <laughs> so somebody's like, oh, I'm really struggling, but I need this. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll help you out. But what you find is if as a business owner, you really got to be careful about how you do that because you also, um, yes, you want to do some things and you want to, um, we do a lot of pro bono work. But I'm choosing that. I'm very intentional yeah. about that, right? Um, we want to put boundaries on on not being taken advantage of or not being pushed beyond what's profitable, because we're not here to work for free, and we have a team that we're responsible to to ensure our can, that we can continue. Um, so, so I try and think about it in the terms of yes, sometimes my heart gets pulled to help people, but at the same time. I have a responsibility to my company and to my team and mm. frankly to myself, yeah. right? We're not working for free. Um, we can't afford to work for free. If we, if we were independently wealthy and we could just afford to give away all our time, then that would be a different story, but we're not, <laughs> we got to keep the lights the on it. Yeah. That's the business. That's right? mm. Yeah. And, and also if you kind of always, um, acquiescing to those bleeding hearts you um, because you want to be a good person 
um, it probably sets expectations and, and you know we did talk a little bit about ideal customer but it means that the same type yeah. of people are going to be attracted to you it goes yeah and it goes down a path it never gets better yeah um and it, you know what you only have to find out a few times that the people that told you that they couldn't afford it and you helped them out you only have to find out a few times that they went and spent a whole bunch of money with a you know doing a a big campaign somewhere or spent it with a you know they they let it go you know three months later that they just spent all this money on radio or something didn't tell you hmm. you only have to have that happen a few times before you go hmm i need to be careful about how much hmm. i give away okay and finally what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves Ooh, so um we've kind of alluded a little yeah. bit to it you know in terms of touch points and and things like that um you know I, I think it's important to talk to other business owners i think that's one of the things about time to thrive too that i think is a, a real benefit that a lot of business owners get we you know we go to conferences and things and we talk to other people in our industry but talking to other business owners uh, in different industries really can give us some insights into ideas we may not that may not be floated in our industry and that gives us an opportunity to say you know what I, i'm going to try that i'm going to take that idea and hmm. you know craft it in a way that makes sense for me and then it becomes this new idea um i think we always got to be looking for that out of the box hmm. um, because out of the box people notice uh, because it's different um and and just uh being creative and that doesn't always mean spending money hmm. I call it, you know there's this thing called i call elbow grease marketing i teach a workshop on it and you know if you don't have a budget and you have no or low budget you have to be super creative <laughs> about how you get your word out and how you um attract customers to you um, sometimes even if we have the budget, it's worth the process to say, what would I do over the next 90 days if I had no money to spend? Mm. And really looking what that looks like. Yeah. Um, because your competitors probably aren't doing that. Mm. Um, and some of those ways that we do, um, that are, you know, low or no cost, um, really end up being uh, high touch type scenarios. So let's say if you had, if you want to position yourself as a thought leader in a particular area, right? What if you went to your local library and said, hey, I would love to do a free workshop for your patrons here. Hmm. I've done that many times and they are so happy to have you and they advertise it through all of their channels that they can. Um, and they will drive people to you because it's free programming and it's seen as value to the library um, or the Chamber of Commerce or what have you. So all you're doing is spending your time. If you come up with that one workshop, you know, you can go to all the different libraries and all yeah. the different chambers and put you and it puts you in front of the right people. Uh, and, and that's just one example if you were looking to reach mm. out in, in those kinds of ways. Another thing you can do is really uh, affiliate type marketing, which I call it affiliate partnerships. 
So what you do is you find another business that's very, um, that is not a competitor to you in any way, but you complement each other in mm. some way and you create something where you can send business to each other. So like the example I always give is a bookstore and a vision eyewear um, retailer. Yeah. Right? It's a good one. <laughs> so you've got reading glasses and books, yeah. right? And, and then you can like, maybe you have a two-sided um, bookmark made with the one company on one side and the other company on the other side. You could do something cute like little tiny print that says if you're having trouble reading this you know go here for your next pair of reading glasses that kind of thing hmm. um, or hey you're just buying your new readers go over here to get you a book because you couldn't see them before or whatever yeah. hmm. um so it's a way of sending things back and forth to each other um hmm. that doesn't cost anything yeah yeah that's a couple of really great tips there to um differentiate and get out in front of the right audience so, yeah right well thanks for getting us through the buzz round bethany now um, this the whole conversation has been absolutely fabulous where can people find out more about you find out about um, your vertical solutions media branding agency find out about the time to strive program and maybe even get in touch and say thanks for what you've shared today yeah um so verticalsolutionsmedia.com is our agency website um, there are links there to Time to Thrive and Thrive Coaching on there. Um, but if you want to go directly to Time to Thrive Membership, it's timetothrivemembership.com. Um, of course, we're on uh, Vertical Solutions is on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And so I would welcome anybody who wants to connect with us and be part of our community. Excellent. And we'll post all those links in the show notes so people can click straight through. Awesome. Thank you. So do you have any parting advice as we wrap it up today, Bethany? Parting advice. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to say my parting advice is to anybody who's thinking about starting a business or is at the first part of their journey is to right up front recognize that failure is part of the journey. And <laughs> I hate to tell you, but it's, you're going to make mistakes and things aren't always going to go the way you want. But what's important is that you embrace those things as learning, not as failure. Mm. And, um, and that's going to keep moving you forward. Um, and, you, and I also would like to say that it's really important to understand your why. That's something that we teach in Time to Thrive is about, how, you know, strategies to really determining your why and not, not just your surface level, mm. uh, why I started my business, but really digging into uh, your true why and being able to communicate that. Your true why is what's going to get you out of bed when you don't want to, when the day before three people hung up on you, um, or when you know you get 10 customer service complaints in one day, whatever it is, your why is going to keep you moving forward. Hmm. Um, and if you don't have it, one bad day can be the difference between continuing in your business and not. Um, Seth Godin does a really great book called The Dip. Hmm. And um, it really resonated with me. It's a really quick, short read. And basically, he talks about how knowing when to quit. Hmm. And the thing is about, he talks, the dip is referencing 
when you start your business, you kind of take off and then you go down and that's the dip. And a lot of people quit in the dip, mm. but you got to keep going because that's when, you know, that's where the next incline comes. Mm. So just, you know, don't give up, but just recognize that, it, you know, these hard times are part of the journey. Mm, yeah, I love, love, I'm a big fan of Seth Godin and, and the dip is certainly one of, one of the books I really love. Um, and it's great advice to really re, um, or reposition or completely reframe the idea of failure. My business coach always says there's no such thing as failure. It's all just feedback. So all of these things are learning opportunities. Hmm. That's right. That's right. All right. Finally, Beth, who, uh, Bethany, who else should I get on the Innova Buzz podcast and why? Ooh, that's a good question. So I have, is this how you get other guests? How you find it's out? One of my ways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have an amazing friend that I'd be happy to introduce you to. Her name's Kim McBrayer. She owns an organizing um, company uh, that does like custom closets, but she has a big retail location as well. Um, she has a really great business story. It's very inspirational. Um, and she's a good friend. So I'd be happy to introduce you to her. She would be awesome. Wonderful. Well, we'll get that introduction to Kim from you and reach out to her to bring her on the show as well. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today, Bethany. It's been um, fabulous. We've covered lots of different things. Um, Clearly, you've done lots of different things, so you have a very broad-ranging experience, and and I love how you've totally organised your business and built that at the same time whilst raising that uh, family of five kids and homeschooling them and um, setting up systems and processes at home to make sure that everything worked as well as it could there as well. So, um, really enjoyed our conversation. All the best for the future, and let's stay in touch. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on the show as well. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bethany. I hope you enjoyed that informative and engaging conversation with Bethany and took something away from her episode. I really love her approach to mapping the customer journey and identifying one touch point at a time to work on making that an exceptional experience. Have you mapped out your customer journeys? Yes, there are more than one that people take once they enter your world. What are the different touch points? Can you list them? How can you make each and every touch point an exceptional experience for your customer? Take them one at a time as Bethany suggested and just look for the easy improvements to start. I think you'll be amazed at the outcome. Bethany's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Bethany Meadows. That is B-E-T-H-A-N-Y-M-E-A-D-O-W-S. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Bethany Meadows. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Bethany, as well as links to the Vertical Solutions and Time to Thrive websites, to Bethany's social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you've listened this far into the show, here's a challenge. 
If you love this conversation and think it'd be useful to one other person, be brave enough to share this conversation with that one other person. And my guess is, in the 505 or so other episodes that we've published until right now, there is at least one other one there that's equally as valuable to you as this episode. So go ahead, find another one, pick your favourite number or take a 30-second glance through the past episodes and between now and the next episode, listen to one more and then write me a note on LinkedIn about which episode you picked and why and what your biggest takeaway was. Bethany suggested that we have a conversation with Kim McBrayer, owner of Space Cadets Professional Organiser, on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Kim, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Bethany Meadows. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode so that we can get to know you and why you listen. Also, it will help us make the podcast even better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred platform. And you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, go to innovabuzz.co forward slash flywheel, where you can access a free gift my team and I made for you, a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.